Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Clark, and this is Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. My brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Today we will be discussing Avatar The Last Airbender, Season 2, Episode 15, titled The Tales of Ba Sing Se. See now this, I've been waiting to talk about this. This is a very weird episode. Creatively speaking, this is an episode that, if we're being entirely honest with ourselves, definitely did not need to be made. There was no requirement for this episode to exist, substantively speaking. And in the hands of lesser storytellers, it could very easily have fallen flat. It could have very easily come off as phoned in and lazy and dumb And could have very easily been forgotten about immediately. But it is none of those things at all. In fact, just the opposite. This episode is really good. It is a really brilliant episode that I deeply admire and have only gained more and more respect for. Over the years. Like, it's so freaking good. And honestly, like, there is a section of the Avatar fan base that looks at this episode as one of the greatest achievements in all, in the entire show, in the entire franchise. This episode, one of the greatest narrative achievements of all of Avatar. And I actually totally get where they're coming from. This isn't my, in my top 10 per se, but. It's a really, really good episode that I absolutely adore watching. It's always very, very impressive to just sit back and view this anthology, this very short, very concise anthology of all these smaller stories told by all these brilliant, brilliant storytellers. That just kind of shows the day-to-day of these characters in Bossing Say. Shows what everyone's doing in their spare time as Aang, Sokka, Katara, and Toph are waiting to talk to the Earth King. Because remember last episode, your request for an audience with the Earth King is being processed and should go through in about a month. Much quicker than usual. (laughs) It's... Really, really well done, and it embraces the mundane in such a perfect manner. I really love every single one of these stories, and what I especially love is they're not all one thing. 
Some of them are fun and diversionary. Just act as a good laugh. Some of them are genuinely brilliant character pieces that really serve to deepen these human beings. But every single one of them is brilliantly crafted. Every single one of them is absolutely perfect. We are better for this episode being in our lives. So, I'm going to touch upon each one of these stories in order. Not sure how quickly or slowly I'll move through them. We'll just see what happens. So, starting with the tale of Toph and Katara. Where Toph and Katara decide to go to a day spa. Toph doesn't like the idea, but Katara loves it. And they just have a nice, relaxing girls' day out. First off, it's just nice to see more of Toph and Katara together. Because at this stage in the series... Really the biggest solo Toph on Katara arcs. Really the biggest one of those was the chase where they just yelled at each other the entire time. It's nice to see a positive Katara and Toph outing of just the two of them together. Just getting pampered. And Toph getting real mad. At the spa ladies for scraping her feet. I especially love the little mud monster thing that Toph pulls off. It's it's really hilarious. But it's nice to see that dynamic. Because I think the... The friendship between Katara and Toph is... Really, real, really well done over the course of this entire show... Uh, We'll talk about that more in future episodes. But the most remarkable moment of this story is, of course, when these three high society girls come walking by them. And they just start insulting Toph for her makeup. Oh, nice makeup for a clown! Oh, she looks at that like that time we dressed up your pet poodle monkey. <laughs> and then Toph, taking no nonsense, just earthbends the bridge out from under them and <laughs> drops them into the water, which Katara then pushes away very fiercely <laughs> in a very violent manner. It's great. It's so satisfying to watch that. And then Katara and Toph have this little heart-to-heart of how Toph, because she's blind, doesn't really care about her appearance, doesn't matter. She doesn't need people to compliment her on anything. She knows who she is. It doesn't matter. And Katara basically displaying her admiration of Toph for being so confident in herself, for being so almost brutally confident at times, so aggressively confident. And by the way, it's one of the things I love personally about that character as well. I think that trait is really extraordinary for her and defines her so perfectly. 
And they have this amazing, tender moment. And, and like, the story ends with Toph and Katara walking away, and Toph's like, you know, I'd say you're pretty, but I have no idea what you look like. <laughs> and then punching Katara in the arm. It's, it's so good. It, it, it that story, that alone is a fantastic start. Uh, and then we move on to the tale of Iroh. Which I think is my second favorite of these stories. My favorite being another one <laughs> that we'll talk about later. Uh, the Tale of Iroh. This really does do a brilliant job of highlighting who Iroh is. He is a good guy. He is a wise dude who wants to use his wisdom and his charm to help those who need his help. Whether it's as simple as pushing a, a moonflower into the shade or as big as helping a mugger gain confidence in himself or something in between like... Soothing a crying child by playing him a song or or going up to these kids playing ball and saying it's mostly a good idea to take responsibility for your actions and seek restitution for them. And then that giant comes in and is like, I'll marry you. And I was like, but not this time. Run! <laughs> like all of it. All of it really shows who Iroh is as a person. How genuinely kind he is. And how he uses his wisdom to help those around him. With any problem, big or small. And then you have that magnificently powerful ending. Where you realize that everything he was gathering, the picnic basket, the guitar, all that stuff. Everything he was gathering was so he could go to where he lost his son on his birthday and mourn. The son that he lost. And. It is always a devastating moment. It is always. So. Heartbreaking. To watch Iroh kneel down. In front of what is essentially his son's unmarked grave. And have all these emotions come flooding back and have him sing the same song that he was singing earlier to the crying child and crying himself. It's so poetic and really underscores the fact that all of this kindness, all of this wisdom comes from wanting to be a father. 
to everyone. Trying to make up for the mistakes he made with Luten. And all this is so freaking understated. It's so perfect. And it all comes up so perfectly in this short. This entire episode is necessary. I know I said it didn't need to be made earlier. But this entire episode is so necessary. Just for Iroh's character in this moment. And the added devastation comes when they do the little end card for this story of In Honor of Mako. Because... The original voice actor for Iroh, if you don't know, Mako, he passed away after doing his VO work for season two. And then season three came along and Greg Baldwin had to step in, but he passed away. And it was such a devastating loss to this show. And these creators, then I'm very, very glad that they dedicated this piece to Mako. Because usually what happens is like they dedicate the last episode that they did to that person. Like the last episode of the season to that person. If someone dies like after they finish their work for that season. But it was so, it was such a perfect move. On the creator's part. To just put it on the tale of Iroh. This beautiful artistic piece. That brilliantly underscores who Iroh is. And is so touching just on a base level. This was the perfect spot to put that end card. It really really was. And I'm glad they did it. In that way. And then we have to go into entertainment after that. So the tale of Aang. <laughs> There's no good transition from that. Oh, the voice actor who played Iroh died. This is how they played tribute to... This is how they paid tribute to him. Tale of Aang. <laughs> entertainment. Like, there's no good transition. So the tale of Aang. Aang goes to a zoo... Gee, wonder why he's there. Wonder why he could go to a place where animals are. What could possibly be the reason? Anyone know? Anyone have a clue? No? Okay. But he goes to this zoo and sees all these animals... Just sad and pathetic animals. These weary, tired, sad animals. And because Aang is indeed an animal lover, he is saddened by this as well. And the zookeeper comes up to him and is like, yeah, I get it. I hate this too. Uh, the Dai Li won't give me money for... The zoo because the kids stopped coming. And the kids stopped coming because I'm broke. Basically. Because the zoo's run down. Because I don't have money. And he's like man I wish. I wish I could give these animals. The home they deserve. And Aang's like. Hey why don't we do that. Like there's a big open space. Right outside the walls. Let's just bring them there. Let's just. Got in there. 
So what follows is this big animal rampage <laughs> through Ba Sing Se, which also includes the cabbage merchant. One of the animals is, like, eating the cabbages, and the cabbage merchant says, My cabbage! Yeah. I'll forget it! <laughs> uh, this is cabbage merchant appearance number four? Yeah, number four. Because we had... He showed up in King of Umashu, he showed up in Waterbending Scroll, he showed up in The Serpent's Pass, and now he showed up again in Tales of Bossing Sei. So, four Cabbage Merchant appearances so far in this show. I love the Cabbage Merchant so much. How'd he get into the city? That's what I want to know. Because in The Serpent's Pass, the lady was like, no cabbages in Bossing Sei! But now he's here and he has cabbages in Bossing Sei, so... How'd he get around that? I don't know. Doesn't matter. So Aang goes into this massive effort to guide the animals to the wall. I love the trick he does where he like sucks in all the air and blows on the bison whistle. And that like creates this little literal shockwave around Ba Sing Se. <laughs> That he uses to bring all the animals outside the wall. And there's also this great moment where the zookeeper's like, You have to open this gate! And the soldier's like, Or what? Or that! <laughs> open the gate! <laughs> and they open the gate. Aang earthbends this little makeshift enclosure up. And it's this nice little moment of... Man, you should work with animals, Avatar. This is a great little new zoo. And then they find out that, like, a bunch of people's household pets got mixed in with the zoo because of Aang's bison whistle thing. On second thought, you should probably stick to saving people. <laughs> and they never had an animal-themed episode again, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, they never had an animal-themed episode again. <laughs> Uh, I love watching that. I love watching that so much. That was also a very, very good one. And then we get my favorite. My favorite out of all of them. The Tale of Sokka. Five, seven, then five. Syllables mark a haiku. I forget. Last one. <laughs> yeah, Sokka goes in, has his little haiku off in front of those girls, and then... <laughs> and I just love the back and forth haikus. It's so hilarious. And then it has the brilliant, brilliant ending of... That's right, I'm Sokka. It's pronounced with an Akka. Young ladies, I rock ya. That's, uh, that's one too many syllables, bub. <laughs> like, he gets so overconfident and adds an extra syllable to his haiku, to his haiku, and then just gets thrown out. <laughs> Look, this is the least substantive story in this entire episode, and yet it's the best, because it's absolutely hilarious. Like, it's nothing... If I were to time it all out, it's probably the shortest. 
It's just stupid. But I love the stupidity of it. It's so good. It's such a good reflection of Sokka. Oh my god. <laughs> hey, remember earlier this week when we were talking about cactus juice? And I was talking about how that is the funniest thing in this entire show. Yeah, this is a close second. <laughs> uh, then we get the tale of Zuko, where Zuko has to go on a date, and it's real awkward. And I really enjoy watching it. It kind of shows, like, so perfectly how uncomfortable Zuko is with any form of social anything. Especially since Spence, especially since he spent all of last season being like, "Screw you all! I have to capture the Avatar." It's really good. It's real great. Uh, they go to dinner. Zuko has the outburst of, "She's not my girlfriend," and then tries to juggle, <laughs> which is really, really phenomenal. Uh, they go to that fire-lit fountain thing where none of the torches are lit. And Zuko does, like, hey, close your eyes. And then he firebends all the all the things up so it's all lit. And it's a really beautiful scene. It, it really, really is. This, it, this looks gorgeous. And then they have that nice tender moment of them kissing. And then Zuko's like, yeah, I'm sorry, I can't do this. Because deep inside, he knows, I cannot be with this woman. I am Fire Nation. She is Earth Kingdom. This will inevitably fail. I need to break it off immediately. And it's all understated. It's all 100% understated. Like, it's great. It's fantastic. It's really, really brilliant storytelling. Really, really brilliant addition to the character. And I love that final scene where Zuko returns home. And I was like, how'd it go? And Zuko slams the door. And then I was like, oh, it didn't it didn't go well, did it? Oh. And then Zuko kind of opens the door like a crack and is like, it was nice. And then closes it again. Like... Brilliant. 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 I love that. I love that final scene. And then finally we have the tale of Momo. Which is also real great. And. This is probably the most. Important to the story going forward. For reasons we'll get into next episode. But for now let's just take it as is. So Momo gets a little. A little thing of what looks like Appa's hair. Like, what looks like a clump of Appa's hair. And then he goes out searching for Appa. And I love how, like, this is all visual storytelling. 100%. And it's brilliant visual storytelling. Especially in regards to Momo's little dream sequences of flying around with Appa. Like, you can tell, like, Momo really wants to have Appa back. Momo misses Appa, and it's sad. It's really sad. So Momo's looking for Appa, 
then he comes across these three panthers or whatever. They get they they chase them all across the city. Momo at one point gets involved in this dancing monkey performance, which is really fun to watch. And then Momo and the Panthers all get captured. That sounds like a really good band name. Momo and the Panthers. Make that band! <laughs> Momo and the Panthers. Trademark. 2018. So, they're captured. By the looks of it, they're about to be butchered. And then Momo, like a pro, lets himself out of the cage. He has this moment of hesitation of just looking at the Panthers and then frees them. And they all get away. They're all nice. And the Panther, one of the Panthers, like, takes the Appa hair strand thing in his mouth and is just running around with it. And they lead Momo to this spot with a massive footprint, a footprint that looks suspiciously like Appa's and the episode ends this story and the episode ends with Momo kinda curled up on the ground inside this footprint and it's a really really tender moment like really all of this is so like it's such tender visual storytelling and I absolutely loved a Momo centric short story could have very easily been nothing but comedic relief which I'm sure would have been fine but this is more powerful than that. This is more powerful than, say, a Tom and Jerry-esque thing, which is what you'd expect a short story for Momo to be. Like, it's so, so good. If I were to rank the stories, I would say Sokka's on top, Iroh close second, then Zuko, then Momo, then Toph and Katara. And then, oddly enough, I think Aang is the weakest one here. Not to say that the tale of Aang is bad or anything. It's not at all. It's real good. It's real fun to watch. But I think, like, that's the least remarkable out of these six. So Sokka, then Iroh, then Zuko, then Momo, then Toph and Katara, then Aang. That's the official ranking of the Taz of Ba Sing Se. Uh, this was a nice little diversionary thing. I, I really, really like this episode. I always love it more and more and more every time I watch it. it. It's If I were to rank every single episode of Avatar, it probably wouldn't rank very high just because there's a bunch of plot-driven episodes that I love significantly more. But it's really, really good. It's a hell of a lot better than it easily could have been. I have... Huge amounts of admiration for this episode. And I definitely understand why it's on a lot of people's top ten list. It's so freaking good. It's real fantastic. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in. As well, it's as simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I will play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468. And support the show, Patreon.com slash ThomasClark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that 
as well. On Monday, we will be discussing Avatar The Last Airbender Season 2, Episode 16. Talk to you then.